For many of us researchers, communicating science is something that we do in addition to writing papers, teaching, supervising, and potentially acquiring research grants. Sometimes it can be overwhelming because science communication comes on top of all the other things and all the other responsibilities. However, today's guest demonstrates that it doesn't need to be overwhelming to be successful on social media while maintaining a full-time job in a demanding job environment. Although our guest is not a researcher, she works in a busy institution, the European Commission. Changing the lives of a couple of people, like a handful of people, is changing the life of a handful of people. That's insane. That means that in that moment you influence them in a way to take a different decision that they otherwise would have done. That's crazy. We need to really acknowledge that. It's not about reaching the masses, as you said this morning as well. It's reaching or touching a couple of people to take a different decision than they would have done otherwise. And that shouldn't be underestimated. There, after graduating with a master's degree in energy systems from Oxford University, she serves as a policy officer in the Directorate for Climate Action. In addition to her role at the Directorate for Climate Action, she runs a successful Instagram channel on EU energy and climate policies and topics, which will soon have about 30,000 followers. After this episode, you will have learned how she managed this and what strategies you can adopt to streamline your content creation without succumbing to the allure of the social media algorithms and without feeling overwhelmed. Welcome to the Science Communication Accelerator podcast. This is episode 60, After Hours Insta, balancing a 9-to-5 job while crushing it on social media with my guest Sevim Aktas. And I'm your host, Julius Wesche. Let's go. Hi, Sevim. How's it going? Hello. <laughs> Happy to be here. How are you doing? It's beautiful. Just for context, we're in a hotel room in Italy, in Ispra, and we have had quite a long day behind us because we were here today in Ispra doing a workshop on science communication for the researchers at the European Commission. Really cool. Exactly. And now the title of this podcast episode is After Hours Insta. And I feel also a bit after hours here because <laughs> it's quite late in the evening. Let's see. Yeah, 10.30. It's 10.30, but it's really cool that we just do this because after our Insta balancing a nine to five job while crushing it on social media, that's the title of this episode. And we got it from our sparing partner, ChatGPT, 10 minutes ago. <laughs> but we both agree with it and it's really cool. So, Sevim, I'm really happy that you joined because you are a special person because I feel the way you communicate on social media is very genuine, is very authentic. And apparently other people also like it because they follow you and you have almost 30,000 followers on Instagram. So let's maybe have a chat about how you organize that next to your job as a policy officer in the European Commission and maybe also have a look at how Instagram works today. But before we do that, do you want to say who you are and what would you tell a person that, uh, that you've never had the opportunity to talk to? Well, first of all, uh, I wouldn't start with work. <laughs> I'm Sylvie Maktas. I work for the European Commission now for three years already, namely in the Department of Climate Action. And in my day-to-day, -day, it's very much all about policy development, very technical work on carbon removals. Outside of my work, I share energy and climate knowledge on my Instagram. And this started two and a half years ago, where I just wanted to uh, share the beauty of the European Union for people like me back in my bachelors who weren't interested in the EU at all and discovered the magic about the European Union and the Green Deal and to show that contact more widely. Why do you think that social media is a good channel? I know that social media is a million channels, but for you, why was it that you had the feeling that you wanted to communicate more about what's happening in the realm of the European Commission? What made you start? 
really like the persona that I had in my head the entire time is me back in my bachelor's, literally. That's a persona, that's the audience that I wanted to reach, people who were exactly in the same situation of, well, engineering study for me. If you would have talked to me about anything related to the EU or the Green Deal, I couldn't have cared less, really. And look at me now. <laughs> um, completely different situation. That journey, let me say, gave me the desire or like this want to share that with a wider group of people. I do need to tell you that I had no experience in communications before. Also, when I started this experiment, I didn't know whether I'm going to follow through or not. So it was very much well an experiment where I tried whether I like it, how it works. And that's pretty much how the journey started for me. And noticing that a lot of my friends at the time appreciated the content and were like, actually, it's interesting what you do. Make me be consistent in the content that I produce. So it's been, as I said, two and a half years now for me, where the format's completely changed through this experimenting type of period. But voila, here we are. Today in the workshop, you said that you, and you just mentioned that as well right now, is that you went through an experimentation phase. Can you walk us through with what you started and what you learned? And would you suggest that others also just, when they start out, take it as an experimentation phase? This is just my personality, I have to say, from the get-go, that I don't need big strategies. I don't need big plans. I'm very much a person who has a mindset of try out to find out. And let's see along the way and improve along the way as well essentially saying that I'm not a perfectionist, which served me very much in this entire process of starting it up and just seeing where it goes. I tried many different formats. I did a lot of things wrong. Way too much information, for example, on the slides and the things that I shared, a lot of stories, which was just way too much all of a sudden, where a couple of months later, this was in Christmas 2021, I came together with my family. I brought them all along the table and I did a little brainstorm with them. And I said to my sister, hey, Silvia, I know you see my stories, but you scroll through them like this. You don't look at them. Why? And the insights that I got then in that brainstorm with my family, who, by the way, has nothing to do in the climate scene or policy scene at all, they're completely outside of the niche, gave me a lot of insights where completely changed the way that I was doing my social media strategy, let me say. I created templates, which made it easier for me also in the end to post things, way simpler. It just put me in a situation where I was thinking through what I was doing. So it was a great check-in point after a couple of months of experimenting and just doing different types of things of then creating a strategy. Instead of like reading a lot of things and waiting to start, I just gave it a go, just tried it for a couple of months, had this check-in point and then created a strategy. And for me, that was the most effective way to go about it. As I said, given that this is next to my work. Yeah. Can these first posts still be found on your Instagram yeah. or did you delete them? No, they're no, still no. there. I would never delete them. I think it's beautiful. And I think it's beautiful to go back in time and then see the evolution of the posts as well. I think there's some magic to it as well and some learning. I love to go back to those as well. And sometimes I see likes from new followers, you know, they really go all the way back in the stories and it makes me cringe a little bit, but also that's part of the process. So we need to jump over a shadow a little bit in that process as well and as I said, for me, it's more like a nice memory and also something that I'm proud of to see the evolution of the posts and how development and progress looks like. So walk us through now, because the title of this episode is Balancing a 9-to-5 Job While Crushing It on Social Media. I hear that people that work in the European Commission hardly do 9-to-5, so I guess you don't do 5, like it's substantially more work. 
how do you get your ideas? When do you create content? And what kind of pattern do you follow? So I have a general idea of, I mean, we discussed about this previously as well, about the things that I want to post. So Mondays, new posts, Wednesdays, either post about startups or explaining terminologies, Fridays, reposting old posts and Sundays tips. So that's a general idea. What do you mean reposting old posts, like unicorn posts that worked really well back in the day? Or posts that didn't work well. And I just want to give attention again to them. It's like, hey guys, this was actually quite interesting. And it could be that I just talk about it. So I go back to the content that I posted a couple of months ago that didn't perform that well. And then I add a story to it where I explain why it is relevant. And I would like to do that more often. So this is the idea behind it. I would like to do it more often. It happens once in a while. Also, this is like the general strategy that I have in the back of my mind. I never follow through 100%, given that it's not always achievable with my work either. But it's nice to have the strategy and the rule of thumb, let me say, that gives me at least a red thread throughout my red thread. Essentially, I do have all my formats and I do have templates for each format as well. And usually what happens is that I come across a specific content during my work where I'm like, whoa, this is really interesting. And I think more people would be interested in this. Voila, there you have your content. And I just translated very quickly into my easiest format, which is four things that you should know about a policy, for example. But it could be also about a specific article or a post that I've seen somewhere else, which I just convert into a different format then. That's my go-to Thing. And really, it takes me by now 20 minutes maximum to create a post like that, because essentially it's a translation of one type of content format, let's say an article, into a different one, repurposing content. And that makes my job really easy in the things that I can communicate, given that I share in the name of a European commission, which is a very official institution, That makes my job really easy as an individual communicator, but at the same time, it makes my job easy as a person doing it on the side. Mm. Do you think that someone who doesn't work at the commission could do the same work as you? And if I turn this question around, do you get a lot of inspiration by what is happening around you because you are working at the commission and you're exposed to reports and what colleagues talk when you drink coffee all the time? For sure. Definitely. That's what I live on pretty much. Also, like content that gets shared to me by my friends, by followers, and like, hey, this is super interesting, you know. And I have a look in the article, and I was like, whoa, this is actually very interesting. Let me share this. Content is all around us the entire time. I mean, look at the inflow of information that we have, and the moment where you feel like, whoa, this is interesting, I can assure that many of your followers will have exactly the same type of feeling. So, in the end, When we talk about personas in the communication sphere, I'm a persona and I observe myself all of a sudden from a third person perspective, let me say, where if a post creates a specific feeling in me, I'm like, okay, it might create the same feeling to many other people as well. So being objective about your own observations, the things that you like is for me, one of the insights that helped me in the content creation process. How do you manage to prioritize and to choose what topic to put into that post that goes out on Monday? Is it something that you come across on Monday or how do you collect ideas over the course of the previous week, maybe? I know the answer because I've seen your phone and that you put a, you send messages to yourself. But can you give an idea of how you collect the information that you get and how do you prioritize it then? 
First of all, I work with pipelines, let me say. I always have many posts in the pipeline that I haven't shared yet. That means essentially it comes down to picking one that I think I want to post and I post it. But if I come across content, I don't have the time in that specific moment to create posts itself. I send it to myself. I have a chat with myself on WhatsApp and I send it to myself in that specific group, which is titled like Instagram content ideas, captions, whatever it could be. And I send it there. And if I do then go back and I create a post out of it, I delete it. So it's away, you know, also for my chat history, let me say. But that's kind of my notes where I keep yeah, a lot of the content ideas in mind because I cannot highlight it enough. But if you see something and you're like, whoa, this is interesting, because I know that from myself, I'm like, oh, I will think of it in the future. You never do. Put it down. Do that effort. <laughs> really, I cannot highlight it enough. So I'm very strict with myself to just quickly copy that link and send it to myself on WhatsApp. Yeah. But you still, one more time, this question of like, how do we prioritize it? Because if you have a big list of things that you send to yourself, is it just a feeling of what fits? Or do you, for example, also have a feeling for what's hot right now, if at all? It's also a nice filter because if you create this pipeline of links of interesting content that you want to translate into a post and you go back to it after some time, you see whether it's actually interesting or not that interesting. So you have like this second filter process and then essentially it's very much gut feeling, to be honest. I'm like, well, this is actually really interesting. This is what I feel like translating into a post now. So if there's a lot of science behind, let me say, or like informed thinking, well, not really. It's a lot of gut decision as well. Now we're talking about truly inside content posts filled with educational content. Something that I truly prioritize in sharing is opportunities and tips and resources for the community itself. That's my number one content. So like, that's not content about any new directive that's been approved on, but that's really content for the community. Exactly. So if I see an opportunity, a job opportunity, an application opportunity, specific tips, specific resources that's truly useful for the community, where I'm like, guys, you're going to truly benefit from this. Number one thing that I immediately share, actually. Do these posts work better than the policy posts? Well, it's creating value for the individual person that's consuming the content, right? We can ask the same question to ourselves as well, like, what are the things that I truly take action on? And those are opportunities that are relevant to me. So from that perspective, I truly understand because these directives is like, well, good to know for me, definitely. But it's something that you want me to know. On the other hand, if it's an opportunity that you share with me, it's something that's actually good for me and that I could make use of immediately as I see it. So there is this difference in actionability. Let me say, I don't know whether that's a word. But from that perspective, I totally understand what's happening there from a thinking perspective, let me say, or mm. analytical perspective. But I never thought about it too much in detail, huh? No, that's <laughs> fair enough. This list or this structure that you just shared with us a couple of minutes back on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, I don't know. You said you deviate sometimes from it. How do you make sure, or the Instagram algorithm, I feel, wants us to post pretty much every day. How do you make sure to say, okay, I post three or four times a week. That's all I do. That's all I commit. Or do you deviate sometimes a lot? Do you sometimes post more? Or do you sometimes have to motivate yourself to post because you're really not in the feeling? Like, how does that process look like? I am not strict with myself at all. And I don't put pressure on myself at all. I have to say I'm very much a person who is driven by fun and whatever is fun to me in the moment I do. 
So there are also moments where I don't post anything throughout the week and just a couple of stories. And then, then I tell my community, guys, it's extremely busy right now. It's received with understanding and I'm not behind solving the Instagram algorithm or something. I'm behind creating value for my followers. And whether that is a hundred people or almost 30,000, it doesn't matter. Essentially you're touching, like if you think about it, changing the lives of a couple of people, like a handful of people is changing the life of a handful of people. That's insane. That means that in that moment you influence them in a way to take a different decision that they otherwise would have done. That's crazy. We need to really acknowledge that. It's not about reaching the masses, as you said this morning as well. It's reaching or touching a couple of people to take a different decision than they would have done otherwise. And that shouldn't be underestimated. So from that perspective, I'm very much not strict with myself. And if I don't follow on a specific strategy or something, I really couldn't care less, to be honest. Because I know the things that I share are truly valuable. It's truly stuff that I find insightful. I'm not sharing for the sake of sharing because of an algorithm, because I shouldn't post every day. I'm sharing when I really think something is valuable. And that's how you create value, I guess. I hope at least. <laughs> I really enjoy listening to that because I feel there's a lot of hunting for the new algorithm hack or whatever. But in the end, it's making opportunities available and informing your target group. I love that you say it doesn't matter if it's 10, 100 or a thousand or beyond that. Walk us through a little bit more about how you create the posts when it comes to Canva so that they all look Sevim style because you have your templates and just for the audience here, you use Canva, but how do you use that? What's the upside of having kind of a corporate CI on your posts? The thing is that being able to create templates, I could also do them on PowerPoint, by the way. So it doesn't really matter which platform you use there. I decided to be extremely simple based on a brainstorm that I had with my family. So I have two fonts, Helvetica and Times New Roman, the most basic fonts there are. A couple of colors that I always use and it's a white background and black text. So it couldn't be simpler than that. And that's what I always stick to. And I don't deviate from it. So that's my core That's my key and that's what makes me very efficient as well. And as I said, I have a handful of templates for each of the formats that I have. And you wouldn't think that, but I'm a very lazy person. I don't like spending too much time for something. And essentially, if you think about it, a post is very temporary. So you put something out there and it has this momentary attention and then it's in your history. And barely people go back so also keeping that in mind, it doesn't need to be perfect. As long as the content is true, if there is like a little typo or something, I couldn't care less. And that's something that, as I said in the beginning as well, I'm not a perfectionist. Huh? <laughs> so I'm easygoing with these type of things. But they allowed me as well not to spend too much time on stuff that's not truly essential. I'm not there to put something out there that's top-notch, 100% perfect. As I said, content needs to be true. And if there's something where I did a mistake on the content itself, I tend to put it down and then upload it again or correct it myself on the stories or in the comments or whatsoever. But as I said, I'm not too harsh to myself. 
I think that's really healthy. Yeah, because if you got hung up on that, then mm, yep. your journey is probably very close to coming and to an end. My followers, they're super sharp. Huh? They notice stuff immediately <laughs> and I love it. And for me, it's the biggest compliment that I get, to be honest. I don't put the post down and re-upload it again when they like correct me on something. I really see it as a compliment that the community cares, to be honest, more than anything else. So it makes me very happy. I was like, guys, like you're <laughs> so sharp. Thanks <laughs> for highlighting it. And then I correct myself in the stories, for example. So it's a matter of perspective. You just mentioned stories. On Instagram, you have different types of formats. You have stories, you have reels, you have carousel posts, for example. How do you deal with them? What do you use for what? You just mentioned if you have a typo or, whatever, or a mistake, factual mistake in a normal post, then you comment about it in your story. Give us more ideas on what do you post as reels, what do you post as normal posts, as carousels or as stories. So educational content in the sense of insights about policies, I do carousels always. Then Does it matter how many pictures you have in a carousel? Because maximum, I think it's 10. 10, yeah. I tend to have around six or seven, sometimes 10, doesn't really matter. I don't think you should get too caught up in the format things. Just look at it that it's simple, easy. And also my posts are not always simple and easy, but I striving towards that is enough for me. Again, like I think... My standards are very low, maybe. <laughs> But they got you to the 30K, you know? So that's fair. That's one thing, again, the number doesn't matter, the amount of people that you reach and the amount of decisions that they make or the amount of people that then talk to their family and their friends about what you share, that's what matters. I really want to get away from that number, maybe. <laughs> maybe impact? <laughs> really, it's just a simple number. It doesn't mean much. And also, I mean, this is going beyond your question now, but... The moment when I noticed, okay, it's getting a lot of people, I got a bit nervous as well because it's a lot of people seeing that. And if you do like a little mistake or something, and then I thought, well, apparently the things that I've been doing so far were completely okay. So I'm not going to change anything. Fair and enough. I completely forgot about it. So it really doesn't matter to me at all. I appreciate the amount of attention and I appreciate that there's the interest, which gives me a lot of confidence as well. And a lot of gratitude as well that people are interested not only in energy and climate on EU level, but actually in the policies of it. It's very niche. It's very niche. It makes me very, very happy to see that there is the interest in that. But get away from all of those numbers. It really doesn't matter. What matters is value, value, content, insights, things that where people think like, well, that's an interesting thought. That's what I want to create. I've never thought of this before. That's what I want to create really useful tip. That's the feeling that I want to create in people. And getting that feedback, that's what truly makes me happy. Super good. That is about the interaction with your community. How do you interact with them? Because I guess when you get to a certain number and you say your community is sharp or the people that interact with you, again, there is these algorithms and they want that we answer to every comment. And I think it's fair to answer to comments because when these people take the time to reach our stuff, your stuff, then they comment on it. How do you deal with them? How many comments do you have? Can you manage to answer to all of them? Do you do that in bulk or whatever? So take us through your interaction with the community that you're engaged with on Instagram. I definitely do that more in bulk. Well, the thing is also like I'm very bad in responding to WhatsApp messages and messaging in general is very something that gives me a lot of anxiety. <laughs> That's where I truly get anxiety, to be honest. I would love to do it more often, but given also the work that I have to do, it's very often not feasible. And then I do it in bulk. Sometimes I have like this 
all of a sudden this energy stream where I'm like, whoa, I feel like responding to messages now. And then I respond to those. I do tend to read them very often and they give me an idea of the interest and the questions as well. So that's very good for me. And yeah, I try to respond, but often it also just gets difficult. But again, there, I'm not too strict with myself. And I appreciate that the community is also very understanding that they don't sent me like mean messages like oh like why don't you respond to my message because it's not my full-time job it's something that I do on the side and there's just like yeah expectation management that I need to do with myself and don't be too harsh on myself again yeah sounds good last topic maybe how do you deal with other accounts interacting in a potentially not constructive way does that happen to you do you, you get paid messages whatsoever if yes how do you deal with that Barely, 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 barely. And if they're like uh, troll comments, it's more towards the commission than towards me personally. And other than that, it's more constructive comments about specific topics. So it's more a discussion exchange of constructive viewpoints, of different viewpoints than hatred comments. Um, and something that I find extremely valuable in my community is that they think along with me more than against me, or it makes me extremely proud. You know, they really think along with me and sometimes for me as well. And seeing that type of bond with the people just makes me extremely proud and very happy and very, very grateful as well. I think they truly sense my Instagram is a love declaration, huh? to the EU and the Green Deal. And my ambition is to get more people on board in understanding what it's about, but also more people on board joining the European Union or like the companies that are in the green transition, etc. And I think people notice it. I'm there with my heart. I really am. And I also said always, it's always the case with the projects. In in my case, as long as it's not fun anymore for me, I'm not going to do it. So that's also what I see from a realistic perspective for my Instagram. I know the moment when it's not going to be fun for me anymore, I'm going to stop. This is just me. This is just my personality. And from that perspective, I also think of continuation in a sense of, okay, how can I create the things as such that if there's a person who likes to do that, who could take it over from me essentially, or going beyond that, and that's my ultimate objective, is I would love to see fellow policy officers doing exactly the same on their field or in climate as well. And the twist here is that different people feel relatable to different types of personas like me. Like some people feel relatable to me, others to you. It's also a matter of likability, obviously, as well. And the more people talk about the subjects, the more people we reach. And ultimately, the idea is to reach many people. Sometimes I get posts by either followers or friends like, oh, like someone is copying your style. And I'm like, this is the biggest compliment ever. Like, I'm so happy because it's not about me. It's about the objective that we want to reach. And I think that gets mixed up in our society in general very often. Many things, in particular, when we're talking about impact, it's not about me or you. It's about the goal that we want to reach. And we shouldn't forget that in the game. Really not. And I just see it getting mixed up way too often. Well... I went a little bit far beyond your question about hatred I think, comments. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's a beautiful way to actually close this episode. So Sevim is available on Sevim EU Green Deal Brief. That's the main name, I guess, of the account. But you can find her as under the abbreviation, which is Sevim Actas EU. And I'm going to also put this, obviously, in the show notes. So Sevim, thanks for joining me for the episode today. And good luck in the future. 
Thanks a lot for inviting me. Always a pleasure talking to you. This was the episode with Sevim on after hours Insta balancing a 9-to-5 job while crushing it on social media. I hope you liked it. And if you did, please give this podcast a five-star rating either on Spotify or an Apple podcast and share with a friend or a colleague. But only do that if it provided you value, obviously. And if you're at it, then feel free to shoot me a message with suggestions for other guests or topics that you would like to have covered in the future. You find my LinkedIn and my email in the show notes. That's it for today. Have two really cool weeks ahead of you. Take care and hope to have you back in two weeks. Bye-bye.